the squadron. They called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And this episode of the Greg Kelly Show's is dedicated to Stormy Horseface Daniels. You know, she is a horse face. She's got a great big long horse face, and they tell me that's not a nice thing to say, but you know what? Uh, they're coming after me with everything they got, and you know what? Good for him. Good for him! She's been called a lot worse. She's lying about the President of the United States. Absolutely lying about him. President of the United States. 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 It's true. Uh, that's a whole makeup job. And let's face it, well, never mind. Enough about her uh, alleged horse face. It's kind of, kind of, you kind of know what he's talking about, right? I don't know if this is going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen. And Bragg, if you're smart, you won't let this happen. Alvin Bragg, are you ready? Are you ready? This isn't some, uh, hey, can you turn the music down, please? Um, this isn't some crazy, you know, weirdo, last day of school Nobody's watching primary, all right? This is uh, the whole world is watching. And the whole world is starting to ask questions about Alvin Bragg. Who the hell is this guy? Where did he come from? How did he get that job? Well, a couple of things. Um, you got to remember this. He snuck in the back door. He, 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 that's what Soros does. He knows that this is – Soros is very smart. Nobody really knows who's running for di- district attorney for the most part. These are uncontested elections often. And usually it's uh, people falling all over themselves to show how tough on crime they are. Not this time around. Not since Black Lives Matter summer. It's actually been going on for a couple of years now. These woke, crazy DAs who hate America. They don't want, they don't like the Constitution. They think we're a white supremacy, uh, uh, systemically racist state. So, I mean, if you thought those things, you probably hate the Constitution as well. After all, Thomas Jefferson, you know, he, uh, well, he owns slaves. Okay, well, unfortunately, so did um, basically ninety-five percent of the uh, world's aristocrats at one point. I, I can't. We can't deal with that right now. We can't. We can't. We shouldn't. Is that it? We're going to start from scratch, and it's all going to be everybody gets the same amount, and it matters what color you are. I don't think so. We don't want that. We don't want that. It would just be so, so terrible. They don't know what they're doing. All right, so Alvin Bragg. All right, here's Alvin Bragg during the campaign. Oh, how did he get in? Uh, You have the primary on the last day of school. Alvin Bragg's primary, just like Eric Adams' primary, by the way, was Tuesday, June 22nd of 2021. What was going on then? Kids were about to get out of school. Since when do we have competitive primaries at the end of June? You know how many people voted, you know, for Ed Koch in a primary? Something like almost a million people. How many people voted for uh, Alvin Bragg? 82,000 people. 8 million people in New York City. He gets to be the DA with 82,000 votes. That's it. That's it. That made him the Democrat nominee and the de facto district attorney-elect because we don't have real elections in this uh in this city. It's rigged for Democrats and it's rigged for crazy, crazy lunatic activist Democrats like Alvin Bragg and his friends. So you get elected on the last day of school with 82,000 votes. And I know only people in Manhattan County or New York County could vote, which is about two and a half million. 
of which 82,000 came out to vote. Um, and this is what he sounds like on the campaign trail. You ready? Cut 38, please. Cut 38. I understand these issues well, personally, from all angles. Growing up in Harlem, I had a gun pointed at me six times, three by the NYPD during lawless searches and three by people who were not police officers. As a result of those early experiences, I've dedicated my entire career, 20 plus years, to fighting both for public safety and fairness. This is what Koch would say is too cute by half. You know, he's going to be all things to all people. He had guns pointed at him by bad people and by good people, by the cops and by drug dealers, right? So he has some sort of special insight. And he made all that crap up. I believe he made it all up because all during the campaign, I had a gun pointed at me six times. I had a gun pointed at me six times. I had a gun. Okay, okay, okay. Got it, got it, got it. Hey, um, hey, tell us a little bit more about that. When, where, how? It was an interesting moment I found. This is after he gets elected. And, uh. Here's Alvin Bragg talking about those. He seems very vague on the specifics. He just whipped it out there. I got a gun pointed at me six times. Okay, when, where, how? Mm, he seems a little like he's making it up, at least to me. Cut 39, please. And so uh, the first time I was, uh, I think chronological, the first time I was, I was leaving a um, party in a housing development uh, um, actually, I was I was leaving a party and going to one, and then uh, someone with a semi-automatic weapon uh, at the door because there was a, 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 a situation developing between two groups of people. It was obviously beyond unfortunate. Uh, and terrifying. Something, yeah, terrifying. Terrifying. Right? Ninth grade kid, 14, 15 years old. Stop. Sounds to me like he saw a gun at worst. <laughs> the part about it being pointed at him is somehow not present in this story. Why? Because it's BS, like everything else about this guy. Keep going. So where was this? This was <laughs> this was right here in the village of Harlem. Um, this was uh, in the in the one um, one one twenties. The, the in in college. Um, uh, uh, and, <laughs> hey, and stop Broadway. for a second. I have never in my life heard it called the village of Harlem. Have you? I mean, granted, I don't live up there, but is it called the Harlem village, the village of Harlem? Let me tell you something else about this guy. He's a rich kid. Uh, Oops. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Remember when that happened when Rudy Giuliani was running for president? made people mad. They don't like it. It's a spam risk. Can you believe that? Damn. Um, All right. Where was I? Um, Oh, yeah. Rich kid. He actually went to school with Donald Trump Jr., his father, you know, you said make it sound like his father was like this. Well, he actually makes it sound like his father was homeless. Then he makes it sound like his father was an activist. His father ran for-profit homeless shelters, okay? These are millionaires. Million, You can do very well with these, uh, with these homeless shelters if you own them. All right, keep going. Have you figured your story out yet, Alvin? Hey, uh, I believe it might have been a New Year's, New Year's Eve of... Uh, threats to the home, uh, and then it you know, kind of fell into the wrong hands of someone in the home. Uh, a friend of mine getting the gun at a point. <laughs> I don't understand what the hell's going on. Uh, that's it, right? Uh, just <laughs> he's making it up, and he never thought that he'd actually be called out. Because remember, when he's campaigning, one more time, thirty-eight. I understand these issues well personally from all angles. 
Growing up in Harlem, I had a gun pointed at me six times. Yeah, wow, pointed at you, pointed at you. No, you saw one at a house party, maybe, maybe. It's too bad that this guy is the district attorney, and it was a fait accompli that he'd be sworn in with 82,000 votes. You know, a Republican did run against him, really sharp guy named Thomas Kniff. Uh, Let's see here, Um, defense attorney. He was a a lawyer in the Army, uh, served in Iraq. And he knows the court system inside and out. And um, listen to this. Listen to And he brings up. It's funny. The reporter is like, why are you talking about George Soros so much? These reporters stink. They all stink. They're stupid. They're young. They have most of them are not from New York. They have no um, they have no knowledge. They know they literally know nothing. Famous quote from one of Obama's lackeys. They literally know nothing. All right, so they he mentioned George Soros a couple of times, and the reporter goes, why are you mentioning George Soros? Well, uh, here's your answer, pal. Cut 40, please. Cut 40. Why are you focused on George Soros? I'm, I'm a little confused why you mentioned him twice. The reality is, you know, Alvin Bragg is not – his movement is not a grassroots movement born in Harlem churches. It is a movement that is sweeping across the country. Look at San Francisco. Look at L.A. Look at Chicago. Look at Philadelphia. And the – fundamental basis of it is that the American system, as far as the people who support Alvin Bragg believe, is systemically racist and unjust. And the best way to undermine a system that you believe is unjust is to undermine law and order. Go back thousands of years of human history. You can't find a system that that isn't based on law and order. George Soros has pledged him a million dollars through the Color of Change organization. That's a fact. That's a fact. You notice the reporter's like, thank you, thank you. Wrap it up, wrap it up. I'm confused. Why would you mention George Soros? Because he's done this nationally. This is a real thing that's happening. I'm confused. I'm confused. Here's um, all great points there. Although, curiously, curiously, you know, people say, including President Trump, look at this. Alvin Bragg got a half million dollars from uh, George Soros, a George Soros-funded group. Color me change or color me gold or some stupid thing like that. One of those radical, pinko, weirdo, uh, far-left, destroy America groups. $500,000 to Alvin Bragg. Well, initially, they promised a million dollars, and they cut it in half. Why did they do that? So the Daily Mail did a little snooping around and found out that a woman came forward with an allegation against Alvin Bragg. Now, we don't know the details. We don't know the details. You know why? Well, he's still a liberal, so they're going to protect him, right? Here's a guy running for district of freaking ter- attorney. A woman has an allegation against him, and we're going to keep it all quiet. We're going to keep it all on the down low. Greg Kelly is the uh, morning news anchor on Channel 5, and it's, oh, my God, can you believe the Bam, 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 bam. Top story for two weeks, two freaking weeks. Do I sound like I'm a little bit annoyed about Yes. Anyway. A woman came forward, said something happened. We don't know anything more than that. And it's true that maybe Alvin Bragg did absolutely nothing wrong. we got to give him the benefit of the doubt. But the people at the uh, George Soros uh, uh, department said, mm, we're not so hot about this guy anymore. Cut half of his money. Half of his money, they took it away. All right. So back to Alvin. Uh, let's see. More on Alvin, rather. Uh Hey, this is a very legitimate thing to do because we all know that Alvin Bragg doesn't want to put criminals in jail. 
right? And he basically has legalized things. He has no business, no authority to legalize. For instance, fair jumping, uh, fair evading, jumping the turnstile. That's still against the law. It's on the books. They're not going to prosecute it. They're just not going to pro- – really? How? They're not going to prosecute resisting arrest. They just decided. He did. Who the hell is he? Governor and legislature? No, he's not those things. He is not – way, way, way outside his um, his box. So Lee Zeldin and everybody else is pointing out we got real problems with this guy. Real problems with this guy. Even some Democrats said, oh, this this guy's a major liability. So Lee Zeldin uh, makes this a campaign issue, like he should. Cut 41, please. Cut 41. Kathy Hochul says that we should be cutting Alvin Bragg some slack, that he just got there and he's doing his job. I say to Kathy Hochul that she should fire Alvin Bragg today. All right. All right. I loved it. Gosh, it's heartbreaking that that guy didn't win. So Alvin, the commercial shows Alvin Bragg, right? Alvin Bragg is, came up with these crazy policies. Listen to what Alvin Bragg says about this. Talk about playing the race card from the bottom of the deck. Cut 42. How do you react to that? What are you thinking about? Look, in, the, in the political arena, you know, particularly, you know, Lee Zeldin, you look at you look at his ads, and I think I was the only black face in it, sort of a throwback to sort of a Willie Horton era, and, and completely divorced no. from the facts. Yeah. How about that, huh? Willie Horton. Remember that name, Willie Horton? You showed my face in an ad. You're the district attorney. You were a hot-button issue. You are a hot-button issue. You're controversial. The governor had the authority to fire you. de Blasio almost got fired by Cuomo. If Cuomo was ser- a ser- more serious man, he would have done it. I'm sure he regrets not doing it. It wasn't a race thing. It's not a race thing. It's your idiotic policies. It's about that. Well, I was the only black man in the ad. What? <laughs> and you can say things like this if you're on the left. And quite frankly, you can say things like this if you're on the left and you're black. That's double protection. Double, triple protection. I hear uh, some folks like to wear their race as if it's armor. Colin Kaepernick is big into that. Like protection. And a lot of people say, okay, yeah, I'm not going to mess. I'm not going to mess. I'm not even going to talk about those things. What? 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 Uh, get over yourselves and relax. And no matter what you are, no matter who you are, no matter what you look like, you're a citizen. You got rights. And the media, they're always, they're never playing it straight. They're worried about a million other things other than the reader, other than the audience. They are worried about who can help them, who can hurt them, who can unleash a Twitter mob, or maybe they can get more followers. And you come last. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, we forgot we forgot to uh, hit Alvin Bragg on the thing that is uh, most conspicuous. We got to make fun of his name, Alvin. <laughs> Al- Alvin for real, Alvin, Alvin from the village of Harlem. Hmm, Alvin. Alvin, um, hey, you know who the hero was yesterday? A guy named Bob Costello, good friend of Rudy Giuliani's. They worked together, an attorney who knows how uh, crummy a guy Michael Cohen is. He knows it through and through. Now, Costello was his lawyer, but was legally, I think at Michael Cohen's request, waived of all attorney-client privilege. So he could say whatever the hell he uh, knew about Michael Cohen, and he did. 
He went through it. I, I, I quoted the book. Well, let's hear from him. He'll, he'll, he'll run us through it. Cut 25, please. You think a guy whose mindset right at that moment is a lie, cheat, steal, shoot somebody, whatever it takes, I'm not going to jail. Well, he went to jail, and now he's on the revenge tour. I understand it, but I don't condone it. And that's why I went in there today to tell these people the truth about who the real Michael Cohen is and what he was actually saying at that moment in time. Excellent. Excellent. We need more uh, people like like him around, Bob Costello. And what was he saying? Uh, I'll have the direct quotes. He was going on and on about how I'm not going to jail no matter what. I'm not going to go to jail. I'm not going to do I didn't do anything wrong. I did nothing wrong when I was at the uh, Trump organization. I did nothing wrong. He did all kinds of things wrong. He did. That had nothing to do with Trump. He hid over uh, $1.4 million in income from the tax authority, from the IRS. All right? He tried to avoid taxes. That's why he went down. That's why. And I guess he got a little bit of leniency, a little bit of leniency. They only kept him at Otisville for a couple of months as opposed to a couple of years because he delivered on Trump. Although he didn't really deliver because this case is not a case. This is not a case. You're allowed to write a check. Just ask Congress. $17 million. Members of Congress paid $17 million in hush money to various people who accused them of sexual misconduct. It is true. You can look it up. And that's our money. Greg Kelly. Entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, let me hear a little bit of this. All right, Joe Biden recently no, announced No, 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 no. What? Okay, never mind. Um, hi, welcome back. How's it going? So we were talking about um, Slick Willie, Bill Clinton, what that guy fessed up to, what he actually did in the Oval Office. You compare what the swamp, what the deep state, what they all defended back then, and what they're going after now, a check, a lawfully written check, with his own funds, not campaign funds, Donald Trump reaches into his own pocket, writes a check. This is not a crime, everybody. Bill Clinton, this is, <laughs> well, if it's not a crime, it's a disgrace nonetheless. Cut 31, please. I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. Now, he did it, of course. He fooled around with her big time. You know what his uh, rationale was? I did not have sex, as in sex is a reproductive act, so oral sex doesn't count. And guess what? A lot of guys believe that, young and old. (laughs) <laughs> they actually, yeah, it brought on a lot of problems. When the president says it's okay, it brings on a lot of problems. I did not do it. I did not do it. I mean, really, when you think about it, it depends what the word is, is, you know, you know, and uh, slick willy. So here we are all these years later, and uh, you can't write a check for $130,000. And I do not believe he hooked up with Stormy Daniels. And um, this is the moment that I realized that he did not. All right, you ready for this? Cut 32, please. Stormy Daniels herself. Miss... Stormy Horseface Daniels, cut 32. I felt intimidated and honestly bullied, and I didn't know what to do. Stop! 
I felt intimidated and bullied, and I didn't know what to do. You see the language? You see the language that's available to all women, quite frankly. Ooh, just little old me. I'm an adult woman. I am... I don't know what to do. I feel intimidated. I feel bullied. Have you seen any of these movies of her? I'm sorry. I have glanced. Uh, this is not a woman. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, she knows, uh, she knows how to take care of herself, okay? Uh, uh, continue, please. And so I signed it. Even though I had repeatedly expressed that I wouldn't break the agreement, but I was not comfortable lying. How do we know you're telling the truth? Because uh, I have no reason to lie. Oh, yeah? And then I broke out. Uh, she went on to get the Stormy Daniels perfume, the Stormy Daniels cocktail series, the Stormy Daniels buy my underwear line, uh, the meet Stormy Daniels, the president's mistress stripper tour USA 2017. She was everywhere all the time. And she gets to go to like <laughs> just a big, big, big deal. She teamed up with Avenatti, of course. Remember they told us what a hero that guy was? So when she said, I had no reason to lie, and all that stuff about I had no, I didn't know what to do. Oh, it was just little old me. I did not know what to do. I did not know what to do. What do you... <laughs> do you believe her? Now, if you were President Trump, then why did you, why did you sign this check? Well, you've got to remember, Michael Cohen himself made a mountain out of a molehill because Michael Cohen wants to justify his existence. He wants to be a star. He wants to be special. And you got to hand it to him. He's, he's, he pulled that off. I mean, can you imagine, like, news crews covering a guy like Michael Cohen, just, you know, watching his every move? It makes no sense. You know what this all comes down to. Uh, well, here it is. Here's the theory of the case. You ready for this? This is a Harvard-educated lawyer you're about to hear from. His name is Mark Pomerantz, and he's the prime mover behind the scenes um, on this case. He set it all up. He was the man investigating Trump because he hates him with a passion. He admitted that. But listen to the convoluted case they came up with. You ready? Cut 33. I thought that the hush money could be charged as the proceeds of Clifford's extortion of Donald Trump. Admittedly, this was a somewhat awkward construct. Step one would be to prove that Trump was, in effect, a blackmail victim. That's incredible, right? So here he has a victim because they have no victim. You need a victim. You got to get that check in the block. So we talked about this. I talked about this before. It's like getting picked, uh, pickpocketed or held up by a guy. Give me your money. Give me your money. He's holding a knife. You better give me your money so you don't want to die. You give him your wallet. Well, he's saying that. Okay, we have our victim, but you gave money in the furtherance of a crime. Therefore, you're guilty of something. Now, the people were looking at him like he was nuts, the other lawyers. And he had to acknowledge, (laughs) just cut 34, listen to this. No appellate court in New York had ever upheld or rejected this interpretation of the law. Uh, With good reason. It makes no sense. And everybody was looking... This is Mark Pomerantz again. This guy volunteered the di- at the district attorney's office to come up with a case against Trump. And back when Vance was running the show, um, well, they weren't afraid to call this guy a lunatic. Cut 35. The unspoken concern of some of the office's old timers that I did not know New York criminal law, that I was too aggressive, and that I was looking for a quick kill that might not hold up in court. Yep, there you go. All those things. All those things. And some people say, well, you know, 
Uh, Vance said, don't do this case. And Bragg said, uh, don't do this case initially. Bragg was just, Bragg just wanted this case for himself. He didn't want to like just take a file from Mark Pomerantz and, okay, this is the case. He wanted to put his own fingerprints on it. He wanted to make it his own. He doesn't take anything from some guy named Mark. I have heard others say, well, at the very least, Donald Trump lied, and, and, and somehow that's going to create trouble with his base. He did not lie. He did not lie about a damn thing. Granted, I think this falls into the you know the playbook. You ever heard that? If you tell the truth carefully enough, you never have to lie. So this breaks wide open in March, April of 2018, the whole thing about the payment and whatever. Listen to what they asked Trump on Air Force One. Cut 36, please. Wait, stop. Can you guys hear that? Can you hear that? Can you actually hear it? Because on TV, I played this, and we put little text at the bottom so everybody can. All right, play it from the top, because I can't hear it. Okay, did you hear that? Do you know about the $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels? And the president says no. And some people are saying, you see, he's lying. Actually, he's not. And he's, did you, you, you watch him. He usually expounds. He just very, very infrequently will he just give a one-word answer. But that was a question. He was giving a very specific answer. No. I don't know anything about the money that actually went to Stormy Daniels. If you look at the contract, Stormy Daniels' name is not mentioned. There's this attorney, there's that attorney, there's this. Stormy Daniels is not on that. And I don't think Stephanie Clifford or whatever her real name, that's not on there either. So he does not know about the money given to that person. He knows about a, a check that he wrote that one time to um, to Michael Cohen. As to how the money gets to, he doesn't know that. And I'll get to why I don't think any of this holds up, period, as far as an affair. Um, basically, if you're running for president, this picture comes out, you want to put a stop to it. You can't have, you don't want to be debating this. A porn star will go public with anything. And some porn stars are great people. I've actually met a couple, believe it or not. I have. I'm not judging. uh, I'm I'm like, some people point their finger and wag it. And I do think pornography is is a a negative thing. It's uh, bad to consume and it's bad to create, quite frankly. But the people who do it, I'm not going to pretend that they're not. uh, They're just people like everybody else. Some good, some bad. Um, It's too easy, especially, you know, when, uh, well, we talked, I talked about this yesterday. Everybody's got access to it. Lots of people look at it. So it's too easy to, um, what else did he say there? Oh, where did, where did Michael Cohen get the money? Do you know that? Talk about somebody told her to ask that question. Well, how would he know where Michael Cohen got the money? Because this is where Michael Cohen got the money. Listen to his former attorney, Bob Costello, explain it. Cut 37. Do you have yeah. any evidence that he did not pay off Stormy Daniels on behalf of Mr. Trump? Well, here's That's what he the did. heart of it. Yeah, the heart of it is that Michael Cohen told us that he was approached by Stormy Daniels' lawyer. And Stormy Daniels had negative information that she wanted to put in a lawsuit against Trump. So Michael Cohen decided on his own... That's what he told us on his own to see if he could take care of this. So he sat with the lawyer for Stormy Daniels. They negotiated a non-disclosure agreement for $130,000. So I said, Michael, where did you get the $130,000? Is that Trump's money? 
No, it's not. Well, where did you get it? Did you take it out of your own account? No. How, again, how did you get it? I took out a HELOC loan for $130,000. I said, why would you do that? He said, because I wanted to keep this secret, even secret from my own wife. He said, if I took $130,000 out of my account, she'd know right away, and I'd have to tell her what's going on. I didn't want Melania to know. I didn't want my wife to know. Okay, I, uh, I believe him when he says that. I do. And I believe that Trump would not have known about a HELOC loan that, that Michael Cohen took out. I don't believe that he would know that. Now, let's hear from Michael Cohen right now. Cut 20, uh, 22. Bob Costello, <laughs> if he was any more imaginary in the statements that are coming out of his mouth, he'd be a number one New York Times bestselling fiction author. Is that it? Bob Costello. Can I hear that one more time? That didn't even sound like him. Bob Costello, if he was any more imaginary in the statements that are coming out of his mouth, he'd be a number one New York Times bestselling fiction author. Yeah, I believe Bob Costello here. All right. Here's another one. Cut 21, please. Michael Cohn told us that he was approached by Stormy Daniels' lawyer. Yeah, who sounds more credible? Who sounds more credible? Again, Michael Cohen? Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen told Bob Costello if he was you any more imaginary in the statements that are coming out of his right, mouth. We, you get the picture. One- you get the picture. All right. Uh, Costello. We believe Costello. And here's what Costello said in the book. There was a book, uh, The Fixers, and it's about all these people who uh, turned up in Trump world. So Costello, who had never met Cohen, stole a glance at his partner. Is he serious? The pressure is overwhelming. Over the weekend, I was on the roof of the hotel, seriously contemplating jumping off. One thing I can tell you is that I'm never going to spend one day in jail. Never. I will do whatever the F I have to do, but I will never spend one day in jail, Cohen told them. Now, Costello told Cohen that the pressure he was feeling was by design. The FBI and federal prosecutors wanted him to believe he had no other option but to cooperate. And then finally, um, let's see here. Costello doesn't believe aspects of his story. All right. Listen to this. Cohen insisted that he had no exposure beyond his involvement in the hush money deals with Karen McDougal and Stormy Daniels. But Costello suspected that federal agents had more on him. Would Maine justice really approve a search of an attorney's office premised on possible campaign finance violations? The vast majority of election related cases are handled civilly, not criminally. I swear to God, Bob, there's nothing that I did with the Trump organization and nothing that I did in the past that violated the law. Except if you're watching my show last night, I went through the uh, the information from the U.S. Attorney's Office that showed he evaded taxes on more than $1.4 million. Uh, owed the government something like $400,000 in taxes. Didn't pay it. Didn't pay it. Didn't declare it. That's uh, And it was black and white stuff, okay? You know, look... <laughs> We all, um, you know, you can't you can't screw with the government like that. Hi, Sandra. What's up? Oh, good afternoon, Greg. Um, I have two things to tell you. One is about you and one is about Donald Trump. I'll tell about you first. Um, The president and vice president of the National Women's Republican Club called me last night and asked me to let you know that tomorrow night they're showing the movie Gotham, and your father has the leading role in that movie, and uh, Giuliani also is in it. So they asked me to ask you 
if maybe in between Newsmax, you might want to stop by tomorrow night and see the show. So I wanted to make sure you heard that. Okay. Are you there? Yes. Oh, okay. And then the second thing is, you know, I was watching Newsmax last night, and Mike Savage, you know, was commenting how he was at Mar-a-Lago and how Trump is so he's doing so well, and he was so concerned about what he's eating and that he's happy. All right. And you would never. You know- mentioned this the other day. I did. Yes, you did. What did I mention the other you day? You meant that the, the Michael Savage and how healthy he is and all that stuff. You said that already. No. Yes, you did. I don't think I did. You you definitely, you a thousand percent did. Look, I'm going to try to get to the, I'm not going to go to that movie, actually. You know, here's what I hear. I'm sure it's a good movie. I've been hearing a lot about about it, but I I also hear they buy into the legend and the phoniness that is Bill Bratton. And every time I smell a marijuana in New York City these days, I think of Bill Bratton and that big dope Bill de Blasio standing there together with that stupid bag, oversized bag of pot saying, this is how much marijuana you can have in New York City today, today, today. Bill Bratton is so full of crap, it's unbelievable, all right? This guy has been uh, – he fools people for 10 minutes. He gets the job, sticks around for 20 minutes, badmouths cops, puts a new coat of paint on stuff, and says, hey, wow, look at the reform that I did, all right? How many years do you think he spent at the top of the NYPD? You can add it up. He was not here long at all. Never made it one term. Never made it one term with the mayor. Why is that? Hmm? Not with de Blasio and not with Giuliani. They both regret ever laying eyes on that guy. But, Sandra, that's not your issue. That's mine. And I love you, as you know. Um, But, yeah, you told me that about Michael Savage the other day. Or maybe it was somebody else, but I heard the same thing already. Yeah, it probably was someone else. But I have something else to share with you. Oh, my gosh. All right. What? Okay. Elizabeth Warren said... (sighs) The other day, let the law operate as it should without fear or favor for anyone. Now, how could she say that with a straight face? Uh, Pocahontas, you mean? Yes. Yeah, right. Good. (laughs) That's your question. How could she say it with a straight face? She's got chutzpah. She's a, a craven, phony politician. You know the answer to that. All right. They're all the they're all terrible. Basically speaking, a couple of exceptions, Jim Jordan, Trump, uh, but that's pretty much it. Matt Gates, he's good, too. You know what he wants to do? Defund the FBI, and I'm all for that. When I come back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, they just got Michael Cohen to flip. That's how they did it. That's how it works. They got him to flip. We call them flippers, right? Flippers. Michael Cohen had done a lot of bad things, evading taxes, screwing around with the taxi medallions. I don't quite understand what he did with the taxi medallions, but whatever it was, it was like using them as collateral when they weren't eligible as collateral and like telling one bank one thing and paying off bank loans. It was just weird stuff, and it's all in there. I read it twice. I don't understand it, to be honest. Um, But here's what his lawyer uh, describes happened, all right? This is Costello, Bob Costello. Again, great guy, former prosecutor, friend of Rudy Giuliani's, all right? Costello told him, Cohen, that he believed state prosecutors would be barred from bringing charges against Cohen if he ultimately faced federal prosecution. Because Cohen was fixated on the possibility that he could be prosecuted in state court even if Trump protected him from the feds or if he got immunity from the Southern District for cooperating. 
The Fifth Amendment's double jeopardy clause ensured that an accused person could not be tried twice on the same facts following an acquittal or conviction. But Costello promised to investigate the issue further. If Cohen hoped for immunity, he'd have to have something that federal prosecutors desperately wanted. Costello asked him if he knew of any other criminal conduct that the U.S. Attorney's Office would be interested in pursuing. Cohen had heard about unaccounted for funds that donors had pumped into the committee set up to finance the festivities surrounding the president's inauguration, he said. Does that implicate the president, Costello asked. No, I don't think he even knows, Cohen said. Did he have anything on the president, Costello asked. No. Well, there goes any hope for immunity, Costello thought to himself. Ah, man, our poor president, you know, really. Do we have that prayer tape? We have a bunch of ministers. There's a conference call, a bunch of ministers. And I think Donald Trump himself said, hey, you may want to pray for me and pray for the country. And uh, I I haven't heard this before, but I, I'm told it's powerful. Are we ready? Go ahead. Is there anything specifically that we can be praying for for you as a, as a man and the uh, soon-to-be 47th president of the United States? How can we pray for you tonight, sir? Well, the best thing you can do for me is to pray for our country and the safety of our country because, as I just said, the the danger that we're in now I think is greater than any danger we've ever had. We have no leader. We are not a respected country by these other very hostile countries, in some cases very hostile and I think the greatest thing that I can ask for is a prayer for our country, for our safety, and we have to get through this period of time. This has been a horrible period of time for the United States of America. Uh, leadership has taken us in many, many bad directions, and uh, we're a failing nation. We're right now a failing nation. Absolutely. Well said, Mr. President. Hey, Van Jones, favorite of the left, and some people on the, on the right, uh, said that Alvin Bragg should stand down. Alvin Bragg, stand, stand down. This doesn't seem like the right way to go. That's from CNN's favorite, Van Jones. This is not a done deal, everybody. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, uh been around for a long time. Yeah, I've been around for a long time. I have never in my life seen racism like i'm seeing it um now the overt racism and quite frankly it's uh, it's directed at uh white people by people of color obviously not all people of color and this is not happening to all white people vast majority of all people no matter what their color see the good and try to see the good in other people and live their lives and 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 just go about their lives and it's a beautiful thing try to build the american dream and uh that's wonderful um, but racism against white people is being encouraged. And when it is called out, it is somehow condoned and explained away. Uh, and it's kind of frightening. Racism in all its forms is frightening. But I've never seen it where it's happening and it's somehow ratified. It's somehow like this is this is a natural reaction and a righteous reaction to the state of affairs. It's not. It's ugly. It's getting worse. It's everywhere. And there are two actual ethnic groups that are seeing it more than ever before. Um, White people and Asian people. It's true. It's happening. And who the hell is going to stop it? Who the hell is going to? You know, Joe Biden runs to Atlanta to try to pretend 
something is white supremacy when it's not. He runs around the country telling ghost stories about MAGA, trying to scare children, especially, quite frankly, black children, into being afraid or resentful of white children. That's the kind of Amer- that's the kind of leader he is. And it's ugly and it's getting worse. I'll have more on that uh, later this hour. Now, in the meantime, you know, as everybody is jumping up and down, will he be indicted today, tomorrow, next week? Number one, I there's a good chance he won't be indicted, period. But unfortunately, there's no chance that the media anytime soon are going to start discussing the what should be the number one story in the universe right now, uh, the confirmation of Biden family corruption. Now, I've known this for a long time. The investigative uh, journalism has been great, at least on the right. Um, But now we have, for the first time ever, a government committee uh, basically certifying what we knew, that the Bidens were taking, excuse me, millions of dollars in cash from China. Uh, Three million, one million of which was liquidated and dispersed between three Bidens, actually four. Haley Biden, (laughs) totally (laughs) Haley Biden. Uh, James Biden, the brother of Joe, and Hunter Biden, of course, the notorious son. And one other Biden. We don't know who that is. Just says Biden. We know another Biden got this money. Uh, Hunter Biden's defense lawyers came out and said this was a legitimate venture with a Chinese company. And these were good faith funds that he had every right to, which is a total change of the story for them. First, they said there was no business. Then they said there was business, but they lost money. Actually, here's Joe Biden saying there was no business and no money. No business and no money. Actually, let's play the whole thing. We got Trump actually. Trump raises the issue in the debate in 2020. Listen to Joe's answer. He's lying. And there is no doubt about it anymore. Cut 29. I don't make money from China. You do. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. I don't make money from Russia. You made three and a half million dollars, Joe, and your son gave you. They even have a statement that we have to give 10 percent to the big man. You're the big man, I think. I don't know. Maybe you're not. But you're the big man, I think. Your son said we have to give 10 percent to the big man. Joe, what's that all about? It's terrible. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about uh, what are you talking about? China. I have not had it. The only guy made money from China is this guy. He's the only one. Nobody else has made money from China. Well, he's lying. And he got caught. And nobody cares. He just kind of keeps on lying, keeps on just being Joe. Why not? Why? What, what, are you in the mainstream media? Who the hell do we have out here who's in the mainstream media? All right. Let's, can we... I used to know people in the mainstream media. I don't talk to them anymore. I guess they don't talk to me either, quite frankly. (laughs) And that's fine. I lost a lot of friends, but I gained a hell of a lot more and, quite frankly, better friends as I have uh, had a renaissance, a rebirth over the past several years. Even Fox News. Fox News, huh? Did they get to the bottom of it? Fox News. Good old Fox News. Cut 26. I'm Mike Emanuel, in for Shannon Bream. Russia takes down an American drone as China tries to chip away at America's superpower status. Wow, all that music, huh? Man, what a big, serious show. I didn't hear any mention of it, but surely it's got to be in the show somewhere, right? This is their big signature, uh, this is their flagship program, Fox News Sunday. 
I know it's a substitute host, but so I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. I know all the other fake news shows won't cover it. I confirmed it. They didn't. Not one word on Meet the Press or This Week or Face the Nation or any of those shows, but on, on the Fox News Sunday show, 53 minutes into the show, Jason Chaffetz, Jason Chaffetz, this is it, eight seconds, gets to talk about it for eight seconds, cut 27. Meanwhile, the Bidens are taking millions out of China, and nobody says a word. Nobody goes after that. Yep, good for you, Jason Chaffetz, former congressman. But then Juan Williams starts shouting him down. Cut 28. That nobody even pays if attention to that. you have any evidence, put it on we, the table. Oh, There's no evidence. There is a lot of evidence to that. Money out of there China. are fake statements and oh, transactions. Look, this week, uh, Jim Comer uh, at the House said, oh, yeah, here's this bank statement that went to Joe Biden's uh, former, I think it was yeah, Joe his, Biden's his daughter-in-law. And it goes on like that for about a minute. It's... Uh, Jason actually listens occasionally to uh, Juan, and Juan just talks over uh, Jason. That's it. And then the host is like, okay, moving on to other topics. Who's going to take this and run with it? Other than us. Other than us. Remember, Trump is always right. Cut 30. I don't make money from China. You do. (laughs) He really is. He really is. It's an amazing thing where it's a it's I know it's a dark time, but it's actually a great time to be alive, to be witnessing this. Imagine being alive when George Washington was president. You know, I mean, only a few people got to see that in American history. We're seeing Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I think it's kind of one of those moments. And and we're fortunate. And then again, Donald Trump may lose the primary. You got to hold that out. Right. That could happen. Who's up against him so far? We got Vivek Ramatswamy, nice guy, very sharp, maybe a vice president, but not president yet. Uh, Nikki Haley, forget it. Those are the only two declared ones. And you know who's thinking about it? This guy. Listen to this guy. (laughs) His name is Chris Sununu, and he's the governor of New Hampshire. Nobody outside of New Hampshire knows or cares about that. Um, But golly gee, Willikers, he just thinks it would be, you know, really cool to run for president, cut 44. Are you, are you any closer to making a decision about whether or not you're going to run for president than last time I asked? Well, I guess we're, we're a few days closer, right? I, I know I probably, you know, all of us have to make some sort of decision uh, as we hit the summer months. Uh, I, I'd love to be in a debate if, if we actually go down that path. I just think that'd be really fun to kind of get on stage with some of my friends and, and really have it out and talk about real issues, not just headlines and political stunts and all that, and kind of put each other on the line. I definitely want this man for president of uh, eighth grade. Okay, he can be president of some eighth grade, of some middle school. Uh, give it up, uh, Chris Sununu. Any political consultant who takes money from Chris Sununu going forward is stealing. Okay, you're stealing money. Give it back to him. That would be that's tantamount to fraud. You can't pretend that he can be president. Very first thing you got to do as a consultant is say. Um, it's not happening. Okay. <laughs> Just that, you know, I think that, you know, he, 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 he'd understand. Right. Hey, Maria. Hello. Hey, Greg. Thanks for taking my call. Um, this is just my opinion, but the crucifixion of Donald J. Trump continues by the left because they are terrified of him. They are terrified of him because they know that he is and he has to win in 2024. And as far as the Stormy Daniel nonsense, I think the average American could care less about this. 
I think the average American cares about putting food on our table, putting gas in our car, ending the crime that is running rampant in our streets, in our big cities, closing up our borders. And the only person that could bring us back to where we were from 2017 to 2021 is Donald J. Trump. All right, Maria. Hey, let's face it, though. The average American isn't going to exactly look away when uh, Stormy Daniels is on television. Right. I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, you're, all those issues are very important. But the Stormy Daniels story is, I mean, it's ludicrous. Don't get me wrong. You know, I feel about it. This is persecution. This is ridiculous. No other person in the world be, would be prosecuted uh, for something like this. You're allowed to put whatever the hell you want in that little memo spot on your check. You can put uh, happy birthday. You can put hush money. You can put a smiley face. It doesn't matter. This is still a free country. But I don't think your average American is like, you know, people are talking about this. People are talking about this. They're talking about story. Yeah, they, they're rolling their eyes. I mean, I'm talking about it. I was obsessed with it all weekend. I can't believe it's happening. Breaks my heart, but I do think that people do care. Maria? Nah, 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 oh, Maria, me. you're so intellectual. Oh, you're so above all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so You are a smart cookie, though. I do know that. All right. Thank you, Maria. Monica in Terrytown. Uh, yeah. Hi. You know, one of the things you were talking about, the medallions not being very important. But I didn't say they weren't about... important. I said I didn't understand them. Okay. Well, I think the way I would see it is, you know, General Flynn got kind of cornered into cooperating or not. He didn't cooperate, but they were threatening his family. They were threatening his his son. And I, I kind of feel for Michael Cohen because, you know, his father-in-law was the one who introduced him to Trump. And his father-in-law, who was an Ukrainian immigrant, made good in this country. Hey, hey, hey. I'm sure he has very nice relatives. Uh, but you feel bad for this guy. Let me hear one more time. Cut 21. Cut 21. Michael Cohen told us that he was approached by Stormy Daniels' lawyer, and Stormy Daniels had negative information that she wanted to put in a lawsuit against Trump. So Michael Cohn decided on his own, that's what he told us, to see if he could take care of this. You think a guy whose mindset right at that moment is a lie, cheat, steal, shoot somebody, whatever it takes, I'm not going to jail. Well, he went to jail, and now he's on the revenge tour. I've listened to Michael Cohn stand in front of the courthouse and say things that are directly contrary to what he said to us. My obligation is to bring the truth to both the district attorney and to Trump's lawyers. That's exactly what I did. Good for you, Bob Costello. And one more thing about this uh, this uh, Cohen and how this money was arranged. Listen to this. Cut 37. Do you have yeah. any evidence that he did not pay off Stormy Daniels on behalf of Mr. Trump? Well, here's That's what he the did. heart of it. Yeah, yeah, the heart of it is that Michael Cohen told us that he was approached by Stormy Daniels. Ah, shoot, Daniels he tells the whole thing again. And then he then skipped to the part where he has to take the HELOC loan against his house so his wife doesn't find out about it, Melania doesn't find out about it. I'm sorry, Monica, uh, you never met the guy. I have, and uh, he's a desperate man. He's got very serious problems. And, uh, look, redemption is available to absolutely everybody, and I don't like Michael Cohen, but on some level I love the guy. But he's a creep, and... Um, you know, uh, there there are things that I don't think you're processing here. You're not taking it into account. Bad guy. Monica's speechless. No, I, I just I, I think what my point was not so much whether he's a good guy or bad guy, 
my point is that just like the the FBI knows how to manipulate people to cooperate, and yes, he got this is a revenge tour because he got he got had, and and I guess you know he may be you know he was involved with the taxes, he was involved in in all this other stuff, but I guess in the big picture, it's just like how our system works in in shaking down people to cooperate and then they get sometimes screwed over well there is that there is there is that and uh also uh, according to mark pomerantz himself this is how this is what they do and these are dirty people i'm talking about people in the government actually some people in the government let me see if i can find this weiselberg they wanted to let me just see here okay listen to this Listen to this. This is what they did to Alan Weisselberg. We needed to go back to Cohen and interview him about Weisselberg, interview Jennifer Weisselberg, round up any public information about Alan Weisselberg, and do a deep dive into his personal finances to learn how he was compensated and how he spent his money. Carrie and I discussed calling Weisselberg's lawyer to fire a warning shot over his bow. We could say that we might be coming after Weisselberg without specifying what we had on him which was very little at that point, in the hope that he would get scared and fall into our laps as a witness. Now, this is his own word. This is a prosecutor, his own words, his own book. And that that's corruption. That's ugly, Monica, and I'm with you on that. Can you believe that? He put it in a book. I mean, I would leave that out of the book. I would never even do anything like that, but you don't put it in a book. I don't think he was counting us reading on this book. All right, thank you, Monica. I'll be right back. Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, man, that deep state is so bad. So, so, so bad. Alvin Bragg, also a a member of high standing in the deep state. Big, big, big time. And the deep state isn't just federal. This guy has been this has been brought to my attention. Uh, Tweets uh, from, uh, let's see, a couple of years ago. Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg told everybody that Donald Trump is racist and absolutely terrible. Alvin, according to Alvin Bragg in a tweet, Donald Trump is a racist and absolutely terrible. Let's see. Alvin Bragg's Twitter account. Bill Barr has a report spelling out how Trump committed obstruction. He should stop talking about resisting arrest charges in Boston and focus on the Mueller report. Um... D.A. Rollins is 100% right on all of this. Uh, Standalone resisting arrest charges have always bothered me. They beg the question of what were you arresting me for in the first place? Um, This guy is a radical, and now he's got real power. I have a feeling he might just make the right call after all. Um, There's only so much ruining he can do of one city without accountability, Does he really want to bring on this fight as well? Maybe he does. And maybe we can get to the bottom of why did George Soros cut off that $500,000 that he was promised? What was that woman's story? One woman, an unnamed woman, made an accusation about uh, Alvin Bragg. You know, if one woman can make an accusation about me and it can be uh, (laughs) front page news, all those dumb shows, everything, right? I think that we should have a bit more information about this. His sensitive is a bit more important, wouldn't you say, than a morning show host on Channel 5, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alvin Bragg. Your story's all falling apart, too. 
Doesn't know what street he was on when the gun was pointed at him. Doesn't know what neighborhood he was in when the knife was held to his neck. It's all phony. And, oh, well, uh, we'll get to the bottom of it. Uh, ooh, here he is speaking with his good friend Robert De Niro. He hangs out with De Niro. Nobody hates Trump more than De Niro. One moment. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, TikTok is like digital crack cocaine. Uh, it's hooking our kids and adults something like eight hours a day on TikTok. I have had it on my phone briefly. I know what they're talking about. It is very addictive. Not only that, the Chinese uh, Communist Party, they're sucking out all kinds of data about all of us, and that's very, very dangerous. So I have deleted it a couple of times. It's probably still in the hard drive. Um, Addictive. What were we doing with these trillions and trillions of hours that we now spend on the computer? Have you noticed that everything is kind of plateaued? Where are the really cool inventions? Where are the neat new things? Uh, think of your phone. Look at your phone right now. I mean, it's the same phone, generally speaking, same shape at least since, what, 2007? Do you have an iPhone? Do you have a Samsung? The, the damn phone has not changed really since 2007. Yes, I know it's faster. I know the camera is better. But it's the same experience. And now we're just getting better at watching other people create illusions. It's not reality. Uh, what is this doing? Uh, it's true. And Facebook knows this. Uh, Instagram is really harming young women, everybody, their self-esteem. It's one, th- it's one thing, actually, another thing to admire about President Trump. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't put himself down. You know, we all put ourselves down. That's a social uh, lubricant. It's always good to, you know, oh, you know, I'm so stupid. Oh, gosh, you know, yeah, you know me. Well, what do you want? Uh, beginner's luck. And everybody puts themselves down. He doesn't. I think that's worthy of emulation. You know, negative self-talk all the time. Uh, because the world is putting people down all the time. And now they're putting down entire classes, entire races of people. It's happening. And I said earlier, especially white people and white women, less clout than anyone else. And I think everybody should be equal, right? Isn't that, doesn't that sound more American? So you're about to hear a panel of woke idiots. And one of them is Robin D'Angelo. She wrote a book called White Fragility. And it's all about, um, you know, how you're racist, whether you realize it or not. And you got to apologize and you got to atone and you got to, you know, for all the all the anything good in your life, you got it because of unfair racist advantages. And she has a solution for people who um, who don't look like you, as they like to say. Robin D'Angelo has done so much to ruin this country. Really, really bad, bad force. I mean, just listen to this crap. The question is, um. Do you find that in some progressive institutions, politically conservative people of color are sought out by white progressives, resembling historically the way many black overseers on plantations were rewarded by their slave masters for exacting cruelty on the enslaved? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Unfortunately. Um, I don't think they're the norm. I think they're somewhat the exception, but they absolutely exist. Kirk Thomas, excuse me, I had something in my throat again. Um, (laughs) And white people do do love to elevate their voices. Um, So 
that's that's why I think affinity work for people of color is really, really critical to see where they are colluding. Um, and, and again, those are incredibly sensitive conversations. I don't think they are my business, but that's one place you can work on the ways that that we all uphold these systems. Did you hear what she said there? First of all, horrible thing about Clarence Thomas, just a horrible, perverted thing overall. But she said affinity work for people of color, affinity work. for That means people of color should work to get, should seek out each other to be with um, as if white people should ever do the same thing. It's horrible. It's a horrible way of thinking. And if we're not careful, this will become um, the dogma. This will become the absolute and you will be penalized. It'll almost be illegal to say anything contrary to it. Raphael in Newark, Newark. Why did I say Newark? You know why? Because Delaware, they call it Newark, Delaware. And uh, and that's been on my mind. That was where Joe Biden's first city council job was. Anyway, hi, Raphael or Ralph or who are you? Raphael. Hi, man. Doing? How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. I enjoy listening to your show. Uh, I was just calling to comment about the Alvin Bragg situation. Yes, sir. That uh, he, he has six encounters and no reports. Any police reports on that? Did anybody ever find out about that? Yeah, it's uh, it's all very, very vague, and it's a good question. I actually thought maybe I should call the 32nd Precinct, but it's going all the way back to the 1980s. Um, hey, here's what you're talking about. I mean, Alvin Bragg seems so vague and weird when he was talking about what happened to him back in the uh, – well, let's see here. Where is that, please? Alvin Bragg. Here's Alvin Bragg talking in the campaign about all the stuff that went down in his life. Cut 38. I understand these issues well, personally, from all angles. Growing up in Harlem, I had a gun pointed at me six times, three by the NYPD during lawless searches and three by people who were not police officers. As a result of those early experiences, I've dedicated my entire career, 20 plus years, to fighting both for public safety and fairness. Now, one thing I heard him say, I went to uh, report this and I went to the precursor of the CCRB, the Civilian Complaint Review Board, but the Civilian Complaint Review Board has been around since 1953, and Alvin Bragg was born in 1973, so that doesn't add up. And then uh, the story, and let me ask you, Raphael, this seems very, very like he doesn't know if he, like he's making it up. Cut 39. So uh, the first time I was, uh, I think chronological, the first time I was, I was leaving a um, party in a housing development uh, um, actually, I was I was leaving a party and going to one, and then uh, someone with a semi-automatic weapon uh, at the door because there was a, 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 a situation developing between two groups of people. It was obviously beyond unfortunate. Uh, and terrifying. Something, yeah, terrifying. Terrifying. Right. Yeah, terrifying. Kid, terrifying. The interviewer is helping him. The interviewer is like, yeah, it's terrifying, right? He didn't even say. He, he just said semi-automatic weapon. Do you believe him? No, I don't believe that. It was a life-changing event. He would he wouldn't forget the details on it. Especially I know. Somebody puts a gun in your face. So I don't think there's any paperwork on that. I did think of you know should I go to the 32nd precinct and whatever and uh, I don't know where those records are kept. I don't know. I mean I can you know and I, we all got to live our lives. But hey, maybe it's worthwhile. You know, he said he went to the CCRB. He said he went. You know what? Maybe I should uh, put that on the list. Hey, Raphael, thank you very much. Uh, Georgia is in Manhattan. Hello. Yes. Well, never mind then. Uh, John is in Seaside Heights. 
Hey, Greg, thank you for taking my call. Sure. I'd like to thank you for uh, being on the forefront of this whole uh, Biden syndicate. Like you said earlier, not a lot of uh, uh, news networks are reporting on this. And I thank you that you are bringing it to light. Well, thank you. So, it's amazing how they're they're just ignoring it. Keep going. So my, my, my main reason for calling, though, is about President Trump asking for prayer. And uh, I think that's a good thing for our nation. But uh, being a Christian myself, the problem with our nation is, is, is much deeper than that. The, the Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation and sin is a reproach to its people. And, and as much as I love my country, Greg, our country has, has celebrated the very things that God hates. I mean, 60 million plus babies have been slaughtered in our country, not to mention what's going on with the, um, the homosexuality, the transgenderism. And I mean, for as a nation, we have forsaken God. And I think that's the reason why we need to, uh, to really seek the Lord and ask him to have mercy on our nation. Well, when the president said we should pray for the nation, I mean, isn't that kind of right up your alley? Isn't that kind of right up our alley? Isn't that kind of, you know, he's talking about, let's face it, it's falling apart on so many different fronts. And listen, do me a favor. You know, we, we don't say homosexuality. We say gay. It's just a little bit. Uh, it makes some people and I understand. But anyway, uh, don't you think he's on the right track? He's on the right track as far as uh, the social aspect, but the moral aspect, we're, we're, we're in deep trouble. Um, yeah, we got it. We have huge, huge, huge problems. I mean, the state attorney general just the other day sits down uh, at drag time story hour. And it's not just that one moment, like that one moment. It It's there. The societal change. You know, if she's doing it, it's happening all over our state, all over our country. And yeah, it's uh, what do they call it? An existential threat. We are in trouble, moral trouble. Absolutely. And God is the answer. And the Bible, I believe, is the answer. John, thank you. I got to do one more. Uh, Larry is standing by in Brooklyn. Yeah, Larry, hi. Yeah, Greg, I'm wondering if you would also change the terminology of the King James Bible when it referred to homosexuality. That's just an aside. Well, actually, uh, Larry, um, I don't think it actually used the word homosexuality. That's just an aside. But go ahead. I sense your attitude already. It's unpleasant, but that's okay. What's up? Well, I'm, I'm just wondering if you. I'll, I'll continue on that. I'll just one. I'm just wondering if you broke your teeth when you said good for Bob Costello, because you also said that underneath you love Michael Cohen. Look, yeah, 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 Bob yeah. Actually, Costello. Larry, slow down, slow down. Um, yes, actually, Larry, this is my policy, and I think it's a good one. Uh, I love people. I love everybody. I, I do. I, I don't like. I don't like everybody. I don't like Michael Cohen, but um, I want the best for Michael Cohen. I want the best for you, Larry. I do. I I, I already can tell, uh, you know, uh, I don't particularly uh, like you. I, I just have that sense. I feel like you don't like me, but, but that's okay. All right. One more thought, because pretty soon I'm going to hang up on you, even though I love you. Okay, even though you love me. Okay, I got it. Abbott and Costello should be it should be Abbott and Costello, not Bob Costello. This is a great point you're making, Larry. Thank you very much. Uh, I can't end the uh, the block on that. Let's go to Stella in Westchester. Hi. Hey, it's good to talk to you again. I know it's been a while, um, but you know I want to just make a couple of quick comments as far as like the racism that's going on in this country. That when you first pointed it out at the beginning of the show. The problem is they're they're not only allowed, this government not only allows it, it actually encourages it. And that's the sad part. 
The other thing I want to talk about was Stormy Daniels. You know, what happened, this all happened before Trump was even thinking of becoming president, right? And when Monica Lewinsky accused Clinton, I remember my mother telling me, she actually shook her head and laughed. You know, we were born in Italy. So she said to me, I don't understand this. In Europe, the politicians do this all the time, you know, like have affairs. But she says, as long as it doesn't interfere with their jobs, most of us really don't care. And so, you know, I'm thinking, you know, with Trump, whether you like him or not, what's fair is fair. You know, what they're doing to this guy and still doing what they've been doing and still doing is just totally not fair. It's like they just it's a witch hunt that they'll never give up. I just don't yeah. understand. Hey, it. back to what your mother said. The Italian politicians did it all the time. I mean, look, uh, we, you know, every country is different. Our culture is different. You know, John F. Kennedy was having orgies in the white house pool and we still have an airport named uh, for him, but, uh, but that doesn't fly anymore. And, uh, it does get in the way when George, um, what's his name? Um, uh, when Bill Clinton was, you know, getting it on with, Lewinsky in the Oval Office, that was interfering with his job. You can't be all in as president and having that go on. It was definitely. And what happened? Uh, the chance encounter, and it was an encounter, it was a meeting. It was, uh, it's the picture. They just, they shook hands, literally. They did not hook up. Uh, Trump and Stormy Daniels. You know when that happened? 2006. It's 11 years before he became president. This whole thing is insane. Uh, give me one more point, Stella. Um, I, I think your, if I'm not mistaken, I think your um, other caller, Larry. Now I, I I'm rereading the Bible again, okay. But if I do recall correctly, I have the King James version that he was talking about, and it does really specifically say the word homosexuality is an abomination. Well, it depends what King James I, version. I actually don't think it says homosexuality. Uh, and I think it talks about um, a man lying down with a man. You know, those who seize on this part, all right, there is so much There is so much in the Bible, and there are people like Larry who call in and go to the, go to the part that they think is the most controversial or they think will turn off the greatest number of people possible. I got a problem with that, you know, I really, I do, because <laughs> the Bible's a big book, and I've been reading it for a, for a long time, and you know, it's like somebody coming into America and saying, oh, you love America? Here's our Statue of Liberty. You know, we have Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. You have, have you heard about that? You know, it's all about. So um, anyway, uh, if you want to call it homosexuality, that's your call. Uh, but not on this show. Thank you. Goodbye. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, so I did a word search in my Bible, the New American Standard uh, Bible, which uh, copyright, by the way, 1960. All right, so this is not exactly New Age, and this predates the sexual revolution. Uh, The word homosexuality is not in that book. All right? Um, Look, I do believe that some people are born gay, and uh, I also have known that the uh, culture has shifted somewhat in terms of just the name, the word, and it's considered by many to be a pejorative, so I don't use it. That's why. And I don't see it in the Bible, the Bible that I use, all right? So I gently point that out. Uh, Not so gently to people like Larry, by the way, Uh, but uh, that's that's how I feel. Uh, Actually, that's what I know. I also know this. 
And there are people like Larry who will come out right away and highlight that in an effort to undermine the messenger and undermine the message, right? To turn people away from God by saying that everyone is on their own journey, every single person. And the most respected clergyman, the one I like the most, Charles Stanley himself, you know what he says? There is no one way to read the Bible. There is no right way. God will call you to read the Bible, and you will read it. It will reveal itself to you. And I do believe it's the Word of God, and I'm not making excuses, and I'm not justifying anything, but everybody is on their own journey. And if you look, and the one that I like, again, it is the New American Standard. Uh, The Light Principles Bible has small footnotes. This is not uh, Christianity light. It's the real deal. It's all there. But the language, it, it, it assists me somewhat because it's sometimes confusing. And uh, I put this, somebody gave me this Bible a long time ago. I put it on the shelf. I was annoyed. I said, wouldn't you become such a church lady? What makes you think that I need this? And it sat there for four years. Big, stubborn, stupid me didn't think he needed any of that. Um, but I did desperately. And when I started reading it, slowly but surely, not overnight, but it's kind of like uh, somebody getting in shape, somebody going in the gym, somebody being incredibly unhealthy and overweight, and then finally getting healthy and the appropriate weight and you know developing muscles. That's kind of what the process was like. And it was absolutely amazing, and it's still amazing. And my journey has just begun. I got to go across the street and get ready for the nighttime show. Um, at this point, Donald Trump has not been indicted, much to the disappointment of the fake news everywhere. I see that there are two anti-Trump protesters down there at the courts right now, two. And they're surrounded by 200 members of the media, 200 cameras looking at them, trying to get them to say stuff, trying to get them to fight, who knows what. Uh, Warren in Bergen County, and then I got to go. Hey, Greg, just wanted to mention, did you see uh, the kids that were bullied at Major State I, I uh, did. Black Lives Matter? Yeah, I did. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, it was it was it was about right. two weeks ago in Ohio, right? Right. Yeah, I just wondered what happened to those kids. Well, the kids, um, and, uh, the kids who were bullying were removed from the schools. I talked to the parents of one of the kids who was bullied, and uh, yeah, bad news situation. And this corrupt, uh, horrible stuff that is pervading our culture is finding its way into the classroom. No surprise, we are losing a generation yeah, of sure. children. Uh, but they removed the bullies from the school. It was being taken seriously, but not by everybody. Warren, thank you. you. It's a good reminder. Let's do one more. Max is in Manhattan. Hi, Max. Kelly, thank you for taking my call. Um, listen, I don't think that we should be trusting talk radio shows that do not take phone calls. It's becoming a little bit uh, prevalent um, day by day. You have Michael Riedel in the morning, got Sid in the hey, morning. I don't care what they do. They can take calls. They cannot take calls. I, I don't take calls for my first hour of my show. I mean, dude, if you, I mean, it's fine. It's, uh, we can try. I mean, that's your opinion. You don't have to, then don't, then don't listen to them. I don't know what you mean by that. You know, don't trust them. Why not try? It's, it's, it's up to them. It's each to each his own. I don't like, I don't like criticizing other radio hosts. They do their thing. Calls or no calls. It's all fine with me. All right, Max, let's, uh, you know, let's keep it about this. What else? What else? What else? Um, look, why don't we repeat, uh, what, uh, MSNBC does on the other side, instead of saying, uh, Trump-Russia collusion, why don't we say Biden, 31 million, LeBron James, 
taking money from the Chinese. Why don't we, we, we repeat that over and over again? No, you're right about that. Biden and his 31 million. Biden and his 31 million. Biden and his 31 million. Just every time you say Biden, we talk about his 31 million. Or we talk about uh, uh, the Biden crime family. You know who does that to great effect? Rudy. Rudy Giuliani. He's amazing. He's amazing. All right. Hey, thank you. And uh, listen, I got to just I'm going to check in very briefly with Patricia. Patricia, are you mad? No, no, no. I'm not mad. I just have something. I was laughing when uh, Stella called. I like Stella. Uh, I felt like I was a little bit too harsh with her. Yeah. Very good person. No, no, no. You weren't. No, no, no. But I have something to say. Uh, back in the day when Clinton was, uh, you know, uh, having that affair, I called my grandmother in France. She's not, she was at the time 90 years old. She said, what the heck are you guys doing? And here in France, you got on one side of the president, the wife, and the other side is the mistress. I know. It's so. different over there. It's totally different. They are laid back. We're very uptight, but uh, I prefer our way. I do. All right. I'll see you tonight. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.